That's great. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Refuge. And uh, we're here on another lovely morning um, to study God's Word and to be encouraged and built up in it. Uh, so with the, the flooring, um, definitely it's going to be a blessing. Uh, it's, it's been a long time coming. In fact, um, the flooring that we put in, uh, unfortunately, it, it was of low quality. We were trying to get as best as flooring we could at the time. And, and from the very beginning, we had runs and, yeah, we were playing games by pulling the threads, right? <laughs> and so uh, we're going to be blessed with that. But I, I also want to let you know that we just committed um, here in this building to three more years. And so I just signed a lease for another three years. Yeah, no, that, that is a blessing. Because that, that's all the Lord's provision. That's how the Lord has been uh, providing for us, to, you know, a place to come together and worship the Lord. And so I just wanted to pass that along. That's a praise report. That's something that, uh, that we can do. The Lord's given us the ability to do that. And so this is a place of worship. It's, it's headquarters. It's where we come together for training to be built up and then to go out because as soon as you leave those, those, those doors there, you're, you're in the mission field. You know? And I know that some, some churches, they actually put, you are now leaving uh, or entering into the mission field. And, and that's, that's very true. And so we ought to come together as uh, God's people to be equipped, to be built up, and then to go out and do His work. To evangelize those who are without hope, which there are many. And... Uh, and to share the love of Christ with, with uh, all around us. So anyway, um, just a lot of good things that are going on. This morning we continue our study in the letter of Paul to the Galatians. We are in Galatians chapter 6, so please open up your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 6. We're covering basically a third of this chapter this morning. We'll see how, how it is that you know I break down the rest of this chapter, but it's looking like it's at least two parts in this chapter. Um, the title of this morning's message is Take Care of Each Other. So Take Care of Each Other, Part 1. Let's start out by reading the first uh, 18 verses here. Well, actually, the first, uh, I'm sorry, that's all of it, right? <laughs> the first 10 verses is what we're going to read, and then we'll get into our study. All right, so... Verse 1, chapter 6, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Verse verse 6. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us... Not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Heavenly Father, Lord, what, what I see here is, is your heart, what you desire 
of your people. Uh, to take care of each other, to be mindful of each other, uh, to understand and, and know that we are our brother's keepers. To pay attention also to ourselves, Lord, that in the midst of helping others out, we not fall into the same temptation, but that we would take care of our brothers as we take care of blessing you and honoring you by the way in which we conduct ourselves among ourselves, among each other. And so, Lord, we, uh, we ask your blessing upon our time of study. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to us and that you would help us to understand how it is that we, Lord, can take care of each other and honor and glorify you by doing so. And so we commit this morning into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the words that we just read, uh, along with, we can go all the way to the end, uh, are closing words of a letter that Paul wrote to the believers in Galatia. They are the closing words of a concerned brother in Christ to a church that he loved very much. These are the closing words of a letter, you could say, of a father in the faith to those whom he felt like he was a father to. We know that as he started this letter, that he was concerned because they had been duped. They had been fooled into following those Judaizers, the people who were teaching them to go back to the law and adhere to the law, that they would fulfill the requirements of God and therefore no true righteousness by these works. And, and yet, the Apostle Paul was saying, you know, you've been, you've been fooled and you've been led astray and you've allowed yourself to, do, to be fooled and led astray so quickly. This is another gospel, if there is even such a thing. They were teaching a false gospel. They were false teachers. Paul had pointed out that they were behaving like people that had been put into a spell. Bewitched is the word that he used. Forgetting all that they had learned and had been living even and believing. They had to do these things in order to be right with God instead of having understood that their righteousness simply comes by faith in Jesus Christ. Not by any works. And he even referred to Abraham. Abraham. It was counted to him, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Consider that. Paul had made them aware that there was a time when they were slaves to idols, but it was because of their ignorance. It was a time when they did not know God, but they know better since Paul had taught them better, since he had taught them the truth. They were told they did not have to go back to the religious rituals, they don't because they don't accomplish anything. They, they don't fulfill anything. In, in fact, following the law demonstrated one thing. You can't keep it. And I know as we try and... I, I don't know if you've attempted to... Like, I want to live a righteous life. I want to just go by the letter of the law. Just by the book, you know. And, and you think, man, I'm, I'm just going to go. And then you soon realize, I can't do it. I, I just... It's not, not difficult... It's not hard. It's impossible, right? I mean, you get up in the morning and you go about your day, and before you know it, you've, uh, you've broken some commandment. 
And that is usually, first thing is, it's, it's in your thoughts. So you tell them, you don't have to go back to those religious rituals. You, you don't have to adhere by the law in order to be made righteous before God. You're made righteous before Him by faith in the Son. In fact, He called those things weak and worthless elementary principles of the world, is what He called them. Because that, those are principles of the world. They are weak and worthless. We, we try and earn uh, favor with other people. Uh, you know, we know that's a principle of the world, to do something in order for that other person to do something for us. And Paul reminded them that the just shall live by faith, to serve each other in freedom and through love, and to walk by faith. This is all in the Spirit and by faith. These closing words, basically to sum it all up, the Apostle Paul is saying, take care of each other. Take care of each other. Like the words of a parent to a child, as the Lord is communicating, as the Lord is communicating to us this morning, to be mindful of ourselves, of each other, as we are a family brought together in the Lord to bless and glorify Him. Uh, I, those words ring in my mind and in my heart. My mom, when I talk to her, she's always reminding me, Mijo, take care of your brother and your sister. Take care of each other. That, that's apparent. That's, that's what we desire, is that our children would take care of each other, even when we're gone, that they would take care of each other. Don't, don't forget your brothers and your sisters. And in the same manner, the Lord is speaking to us through this letter that we are to be mindful of each other, that we are to take care of one another. So the one thing that we're going to cover is the first few verses here And that is the point of bearing burdens. We're going to talk about two types of burdens here and uh, and just work them out. But there are two types of burdens that we are to carry, which the Apostle Paul pointed out to us here in the first five verses. So once again, verse 1 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted." Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. So, two types of burdens. Burdens that we should help each other carry, number one. And secondly, other burdens that we will be responsible for carrying. They're they're different. They're different. We'll, we'll explain those. We'll come to understand them. Uh, both hold us accountable, though. One toward others and the other toward God. But both bless God and glorify Him when they are fulfilled. Paul first addresses the issue of taking responsibility for reaching out to help someone who has stumbled and are trapped in something they didn't see was a danger. They, they made a mistake. And find themselves being spiritually weak. Have you ever felt like that? Like, it's not like you did it on purpose. It's, it's that you were tripped up. You were, you, you 
fell into sin and you didn't even realize it. And then what, what normally happens is the, the one who lies and who deceives us and, and tries to accuse us before the Lord, he starts to whisper in our ears and he, and he tells us to stay down, right? Just stay down. Who are you to get back up? And so at that point, if we're listening to that, we're, we're spiritually weak because we don't understand that if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not that we are not remorseful. Not that we are, don't have a heart of repentance towards the Lord and are so filled with sorrow that we had failed God. But that in that, it leads us to repentance and we know forgiveness in Jesus Christ. But sometimes... We can listen to that, that voice and stay down. So that's when we're spiritually weak. Sometimes we've had so much come at us that we falter and we just don't have the strength to get back up. Now this is not speaking of a person who is in just outright rebellion and, and whose heart is hardened and continues in sin knowingly. It is more of a mistake due to unawareness, ignorance, you can say, rather than an act of rebellion with full knowledge. So a person who is rebellious, who is hard-hearted, and just, I don't really care what the Lord says, this is where I'm at, and this is the direction that I'm going in. No, we're not talking about that person. This is referring to a person who has fallen unknowingly, and then they've come to an awareness, or... The Lord can use you to bring that awareness to them. And by the way, that's love. Because the Lord, uh, He's love. And throughout His Word, He gives us the understanding and knowledge through His Word of what is a sin. What, what it is that is opposed to Him. What is breaking His law. And through that awareness, we are given the ability to repent, confess and repent and, and be restored unto Him. When I was stationed at Naval Air Station Lemoore, which is just about 40 miles southwest of Fresno, my roommate was a search and rescue corpsman, so a medic. Uh, and uh, he was part of a <clears throat> helicopter flight crew that would often be called out to search for and rescue hikers and climbers in the Sierras. <clears throat> so in the Sequoias, all throughout that area, he would be called out along with his crew um, to go because there were plenty of, of hikers uh, and climbers that would often get lost or get hurt out in the middle of the mountains. These climbers, they didn't intend to fall. They didn't intend to get lost. They accidentally fell or they accidentally got lost and would need to be rescued because they couldn't do it themselves, whether it was because they didn't have the strength or perhaps they had a limb or limbs that were broken or they just didn't know their way out. So what we have here before us is, is an example of this in what I'm talking to you about. How it is that we are to care for one another. That is to be watchful. That is the one thing we need to do is to be watchful. 
Because this was very dangerous terrain that they would walk and climb and, and explore. And my roommate and his flight crew would have to be very careful in their rescue. Otherwise, they themselves would find themselves in need of being rescued. I remember how he would tell me their, their flight crew, and they have, they have a whole crew in this helicopter. Him being the corpsman was part of the flight crew, and it's amazing how they said they would sometimes maneuver down among the trees, and this was for training. This is in preparation for when they really are rescuing someone. And each one had to call out to the pilot as to how, what the distance was between the trees and the blades as they were coming down. And they would maneuver down. And he says sometimes they would get down to the floor and they would get out and look up and just not know how it is that they got down and how they're going to come back up. But they would maneuver because they were communicating. They were very watchful. They made sure that none of those blades hit those trees or any rocks or anything like that. Otherwise, they themselves would be in need of being rescued. So as they went and performed these rescues, they all had to work together. But they had to be watchful. They had to be mindful. Paul is saying, don't neglect being part of that search and rescue flight crew, so to speak, that goes out to save someone else who has fallen and is in danger of succumbing to the elements around them, even to the point of death. Get them out. But be mindful of the dangers that are there and could bring you down as well. As we go out, sometimes we, we go and we, we're, trying, we're trying to help someone else out. And then pretty soon we find ourselves falling. Fallen. We need to be rescued. It's like, where's so-and-so? I don't know. They said they were going to go out and rescue someone else. I haven't, I haven't seen it. Have you seen them? No, they, they left, like, they started leaving the fellowship little by little, and pretty soon they were, they were gone. Paul identified actually how to do this. And what the purpose of doing this was. Uh, spiritual, in a, in a spiritual manner, with gentleness. In the purpose, uh, it was restoration. That's a whole purpose. Let's talk about spiritual. This is what we have here in verse 1. He says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Those who are spiritual are to do this. We, we need to also uh, define what this spiritual is. Um, not too long ago, I, I believe it was last week, I, I've probably seen it before, this meme that had someone saying they were spiritual and a a lady leaning forward and saying, well, can you define spiritual because even demons are spirits? You know, in today's day and age, you know, for someone to say that they are spiritual means absolutely nothing or it could mean everything. It all depends on how they define it, right? A person who is filled with the Holy Spirit... Going in the power of the Spirit and for the glory of God. Not going in the name of psychology or self-help or personal improvement. 
the person who goes in the name of the Lord will be focused on getting them back in line with the Lord. That, that's it. You know, when we sit down and talk to someone, and we're, we're seeking to restore them in a spirit-filled way, in a spirit of gentleness, it should not be that they walk away feeling better about themselves necessarily. Sometimes they may walk away feeling like, wow, I don't feel all that great. But my friend just pointed me back to Jesus. Oh, the kisses of an enemy are profuse, right? But the wounds of a friend, oh, that's love. It's not anything else. It's not any word that you can share with them that points to you or anything else or even themselves. But you should go in the name of the Lord and be filled with the Spirit that you would point them back to the Lord. Gentleness. Humility, not scolding the person or condemning him, but coaching him, leading him, and lifting him up to a safe place where he is brought to gently. We're not talking about, you know, beating around the bush. You don't have to beat around the bush, but, but you could do it in a way that you are gentle with that person. Remember, this person is not in just outright rebellion. This person needs to be shown that, hey, listen, where you're at, from what I can see, you're in sin. And so you do it in a spirit of gentleness. Again, coaching that person. Leading them back to the Lord. Lifting them up to a safe place in a gentle way. Again, going back to the example of the search and rescue team when they put the fallen, injured hiker or climber into a rescue basket or a rescue litter, they do so with care so that they don't further injure the, the person. So they put them in there gently. They, they put many times a, a, a neck collar on them so that they are not moving and messing up their spine if there's any spinal injuries. They put them in the basket as carefully as they can. And even when they lift up and into the helicopter, they do so with utmost care. They they don't want to just pull them up and throw them around because they can cause further damage. In the same manner, we ought to be gentle with those who have fallen and take them to a safe place where they can be restored. Again, the purpose of this is to be restored. And this is in direct contrast to someone who's legalistic. They are not gentle with those who have fallen, but Paul was calling on them to be gentle and to do so for the purpose of restoring them. Remember from the very beginning, we were talking, the Apostle Paul was saying, hey, these are the legalists. These are the people who are requiring all of these things for you to do in order to be righteous before God. And so Paul is saying, no, listen, exercise humility, gentleness. 
allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. Remember, in the last chapter, we just finished the last study, to where we are called as God's people to walk in the Spirit. You know, sometimes to restore someone, it, it takes some time. It takes patience. It, it takes understanding. Sometimes you just chip away. That's all we can do for the moment. But that leads us to restoration, the purpose of this work. The Greek is katarizo, which means restore to the former condition. It's, it's a medical term. It's to set like a, like a fracture is set or a dislocated bone is set. The purpose of helping someone else who has fallen is to restore them in their relationship with Jesus Christ. To, to line them back up. They're fractured, and so we line them back up to put back into place that which has been dislocated. It's not in the right place. Has anyone had a uh, dislocated bone? Yeah? Uh, how about a fracture? Broken bones? That have been, had to have been reset? Yeah, so not a big deal, right? Not painful, or is it painful? Very painful, very painful. And then there's a healing process, right? That you have to go through, because you can't pull your, put your full weight on something that is healing. That's why you need a brace. That's why you need help along the way. This is what the Lord is telling us right here. Even when they have like come back into being restored with the Lord and, and coming into fellowship, let's say, with the brethren and worshiping God together, at that point, we still need to be right next to them and helping them in their full restoration. At some point, sure, they'll be able to run. They'll be able to do you know, all sorts of things. But at the moment, they need someone to come alongside them and help them through that healing process as they're restored unto the Lord. That's the whole purpose of what we have here, restoration. I know I needed a, a restoration. I mean, deep healing at one point. Well, at multiple times, but one, one major one when I recommitted my life to the Lord. And I am so blessed to know that someone, some people... We're willing to bear the weight and come alongside. I'm forever grateful. People can be grateful for you too as you come alongside them in a time of need. Help bear the weight of another's burdens. Some people say, though, very selfishly, I have enough weight. I don't need to take on someone else's. In other words, I have too much of a burden. I have my own problems. It's interesting when you think about how self-centered and self-serving we can be when we expect others to bear our burdens only. Instead of doing our best to lighten the load of others, it's humility and agape love toward others that leads us to do such things, to know the love that God first demonstrated to us. That we really aren't owed anything but we owe everything to the Lord. 
So who are we to demand that others would only be mindful of us? We instead should reach out to others. This is, this is something that God requires of us. We need to search for someone who is burdened and then help them carry that burden. What, what does that look like? You find someone with a prodigal child or children, health problems, family problems, marriage problems, financial concerns, big decisions to make, and the list could go on and on and on and on. Find someone like that. And I can guarantee you that the person is sitting right next to you. Across from you. In front of you. I can guarantee you. You can come alongside and help them with encouragement, prayer, fellowship, loving on them. With all of those things. In in, in such a practical way. But in such a spirit-filled way. Because again, the whole purpose of this is restoration. Bringing them back into a good, strong relationship with the Lord. Listen, the church does not need to develop this ministry. We don't. This is simply something that is taught and expected of the church as a whole. We don't have to develop a ministry of restoration. We have a ministry of restoration. It's right before us. We don't need anything but a willing heart that has compassion for others. In other words, you don't need anything but to know that this is what God desires and you desire to bless Him by blessing others. By the way, this commandment, this command, assumes that everyone has a burden they need help carrying. Can someone help you? I know I, I have my own burdens. Everyone has their burdens. And it, it's wonderful to have someone simply come alongside and acknowledge, you know what, I'm, I'm, praying, for, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for the things that you have on your plate. Is, is there anything specific that I can do for you that I can help you out with? You know what, that, that alone, those words alone mean the world. They do. Everyone has a burden. They need help carrying. Think about that. And humble yourself by doing so, you will be more inclined to approach others with a gentle spirit, with humility, and at the same time allowing others to help carry your burdens. You're not so prideful that you won't say, I'm good. You know, when you ask, hi, how are you doing? Anything I can pray for you about? No, I'm good. It's like, man, it's just something. It doesn't have to be huge, right? But normally it's, it's something. There's something there we can help each other with. So what's accomplished through all of this? What we as God's people accomplish through this is the fulfillment of the law of Christ. That's interesting because that is what the Judaizers were saying from the very beginning and requiring those that were Christians in Galatia to do in order to fulfill the law of God. And yet the Apostle Paul was saying, by doing this, what I am telling you in the close, uh, closing of this letter is for you the fulfillment of the law of Christ. 
John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And this is how. He's telling us how, exactly how, right here. You know, sometimes when we have these, these words from the Lord, all we have to do is wait a little while as we read through God's Word and we see how to do this very thing in a very practical way. Remember, again, that Paul was refuting the legalistic requirements that the Galatians were being told they needed to observe in order to fulfill the law. And so here Paul is telling them that, that if they bear one another's burdens in this manner, then they are fulfilling the law of Christ. Doesn't that just take a load off of your shoulders? It should. Who is the fulfillment of the law? Jesus Christ is. As we look to Him, and He tells us, hey, by this you are fulfilling the law of Christ. Love one another. Bear each other's burdens. Take care of each other. Because the requirements of righteousness have been fulfilled. They've been carried out. You can add no more righteousness to this. It's been done by Jesus Christ. So for you, really bless and glorify the Lord by loving on each other. Loving God and loving on each other. That's fulfilling the law of Christ. Christianity is not complicated. Love God and love others. Live life honoring and glorifying God and allowing God to bless others through you. You just have to be, as you, as you do so though, here's the thing is, your desire is for the Word of God. You're drawn to the Word of God. It would be suspect if you have no desire for the Word of God, whether you're filled with God's Spirit and, and are walking with Him. No one had, you know... When I came to Christ, no one had to tell me, hey, put away smoking, put away uh, the booze, uh, you know, going out and doing this and that. No one had to tell me any of that. I, I I just, as I went to the Word of God, as I was now saved, I knew that this was honoring and not honoring to the Lord as... And it's interesting how it is that as I went through Scripture, I was, many of these things were confirmed. Does anyone have to tell you, when you come to salvation, and when you know salvation in the Lord, it's like when you had a sailor's vocabulary, right? To stop swearing? No. I was a sailor, so that's what I did. I was a drunkard because I loved my sin. I did many things. But once I came to the Lord, all of those things were put away. What I, why do I tell you this? Because that, that was the beginning. As I went along, though, I became knowledgeable, knowledgeable of the Word of God. And therefore, I, I understood the character of God. What it, what it was that He did desire of me as He came across with His Word and commanded me 
You know, so the knowledge of God's word gave me a better understanding of how to glorify him. And we ought to, in the spirit as we are his, have a desire to glorify him. In the soundness of scripture, having an understanding of what blesses God and what doesn't, what to restore others to because of the standards that we know should govern our, govern our lives. That's why we could go to the Word and say, I, I see this and, you know, I, I see it as sin, but this is the standard we ought to be living out. Be careful with pride, though. When we are helping each other, we can fall into deception ourselves, thinking we are more important than others. The Apostle Paul wouldn't be warning of this if it wasn't something that we were inclined to do. Oh, since I am very spiritual, and I am coming to you in a spirit of gentleness, I know, because I feel it within my bones. I'm just gentle with you. And, and, and as I bring you into a place of being restored into the Lord, and I've done so with so many people, should I tell you how many people I've helped? In my counseling, I've restored so many. Oh, man, you, you're gone. You're done. You're... You're being filled with pride. Now you're feeling very important. He says, be careful. When everyone is looking up to others, then no one is looking down on anyone. When everyone is looking up to others, then no one is looking down on anyone. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And so it's not thinking less of you. Just don't think of yourself when you're dealing with other people. Being more mindful of them than you are of yourself. The problem with people is that their minds are set like their eyes. They look outward and never inward. We should be just as mindful of the potential of self-deception as we are of others deceiving us. Have you ever thought about that? Do you think you can deceive yourself? It's called self-justification. I believe this to be. It's like, hmm, are you sure that lines up with the truth of God's word? Are you sure you're not behaving in a prideful way? Don't deceive yourself into thinking you are something when you are nothing is what the Apostle Paul was telling them. Don't. Like, don't do that. Even when you're doing that work of restoration in someone else's life. That is, you are no more important than anyone else and God tells us to count others more significant than ourselves. Instead, we are to examine our own work. Uh, What Paul goes on and is saying here is that there is a burden that we should know is worth carrying. As he says for... Uh, in verse 4, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor. There is a burden that we ought to carry, one that is personal as, and approved before God. Consider your works before God and in light of his word. This work is what the individual is responsible for, and no one can do it for him. In other words, there is a sin of commission and the, there's a sin of omission. Since we are to be our brother's keepers and bear each other's burdens, 
then that is something that we are personally responsible for. Right? At least that's what we're reading here. We're coming to understand. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. We can also take a look at Romans chapter 14, verse 10, as it says the same thing. At one point, we will have to give an account for everything that we've said, thought, done in this body. Wouldn't it be great if we were genuine in our care for one another and in our love for God? And there was much to our account. It would be much to the glory of God. We will all be responsible for our own work. And part of this work is in bearing the heavy loads that others are carrying. And so, we have part one of taking care of each other. This is the command that the Lord has for us. This is what we ought to be doing. We should be stronger and better for it. Right? Take care of each other. Paul begins his closing address of the Galatians by talking about personal care. The personal care of each other within the church. First of all, to help restore anyone who has fallen into sin, but to do so in a spirit of gentleness and by the Spirit of God, considering ourselves that we would not fall into the same temptation. And secondly, to bear one another's burdens, help lighten each other's loads by coming alongside, by encouraging and helping out as much as possible. So be mindful of one another is what the Lord is saying. Help one another out. Help carry the load. And as we do so, it's interesting. The simplicity of it, it's not complicated. We fulfill the law of Christ. We bless and glorify Him. May you be blessed and glorified. May you be blessed as we glorify the Lord, as we help each other out, and we lighten these burdens for each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... Lord, sometimes sometimes we reject, sometimes we ignore, sometimes we simply feel like there's nothing left in us to give to one another. And I pray, Lord, that this morning as we looked to your word, that we would be reminded of the fact that we go forth not in our own power, not in our own strength, but in your spirit, that we would bless and glorify you as we do help one another out with with our burden, with the things that really are heavy on our hearts, the things sometimes that serve as distractions, and sometimes... Lord, that we don't even see as a sin. Lord, may we have a brother or sister that comes alongside and helps us to be restored in our relationship to you with a spirit of gentleness. Bringing us back into that place where we are set rightly with you. And so, Father, be with us as your church, as your people. May you give us an awareness and a sensitivity toward each other. 
that we would honor you and bring you glory by coming alongside and just taking care of each other. Thank you, Lord, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.